Well, here we are in Baghdad, and I'm recording this from Baghdad. And it's, well, it's an interesting place at the moment. There's been a lot of violence. Uh, number of rockets on the green zone. Uh, from, uh, from whom? From the Sudrists, I presume. They've denied it. There's the Shabab are marching on the streets, or starting to, about to, as I, as I record this, young people. They're very concerned, of course, about the state of affairs in their country. Meanwhile, there are rocket attacks across border from Turkey, from Iran. The whole situation in Iraq is enormously pressured, and part of the pressure, most of the pressure, comes from foreign countries intervening in Iraq. And where to begin? I mean, we had an election, didn't we, in October 21, and there was a failure to form a government. That was partly initially because of the pride, I suppose you'd call it, of the Barzani leadership in Kurdistan of the KDP, because Masoud Barzani insisted on having his candidate for president. Fair enough, you would say, because he had garnered huge numbers of votes, and why should he give the preferred candidate of the PUK, the, the, uh, his ancient enemies, the chance to choose their chosen candidate. But this squabble started to begin to unravel things in the aftermath of the election, an election in which the Kurdish Democratic Party and the Sadrists, Muqtada Sadr's group, were the two to really do well outstandingly well, because they they didn't stand candidates against candidates, whereas the Heisht al-Shabi, the, the, the group of militia people and friends, well, I mean, not all of them are bad by any means. Some of them are very good, but nonetheless, these these people, they put candidates against each other. So you'd find in the same constituency that these people were standing against each other and therefore they halved or quartered their votes and they didn't do very well and they were grumpy. The only other person to do well out of the election was Nouri al-Maliki and his Dawa party who also managed to work the system, managed to keep their supporters solidified behind a single candidate. And... Uh, but they were frozen out. The, the Sudrists and the KDP initially tried to, to basically create a block uh, where there would be a majoritarian government. A government it's the normal thing, actually. Um, and they, they, the problem with this was that they, they couldn't get enough allies to swing all of parliament. I mean, the, the KDP had alienated the PUK and so forth. So what did we have? We had a situation whereby nobody could really form a government. Uh, the, uh, then the courts moved in and made sure that nobody could form a government by, by really bringing in some crazy draconian interpretations of the Constitution of Iraq, whereby you had to have two-thirds majority to elect the president. Well, and you can't form a government without electing a new president because the president has to call on the parties to form a government. 
Um, yeah, you'd say that was logical. Under the Constitution, however, depending on how you interpret it, you should be allowed if, if you failed to form a government, appoint a president with a two-thirds majority, you should be able to then meet and appoint a president with a, a 50% plus majority. So, uh, Parliament, however, was not given that privilege because the courts in Iraq heard the cries of Nouri al-Maliki, who was left out of the coalition building for the majoritarian government and was grumpy. Um, yeah, twice, twice king of Iraq. He wanted to be king of Iraq a third time. Um, and so where are we then? Where were we then? We were in a mess, actually, in Iraq. Because these elections have been called slightly early, largely because of the the Tishreen demonstrations on the streets. You know, the young people who get getting shot in the back as they walked bravely out to demonstrate for an end to corruption and an end to the present system. And they're going to do that again. They're going to do that again. They are doing it again by the time you listen to this podcast, probably. So it's disturbing, troubling. Um, in Baghdad, the bridges have been closed except for one bridge. They're expecting more trouble now in the next day or two. The um, Sudarists for a while occupied Parliament to stop it meeting anyway. The Sudarists then got a, through a hissy fit and withdrew all their MPs from Parliament, which was unfortunate, and you could say a big mistake, but they did it. They did it. And then where were we? We were nowhere with a complete failure to form a government in Iraq. You can't pass the budget. You can't do a thing. Uh, the caretaker prime minister, not too bad, actually. Um, but he has no power, no authority, and he's trapped by a bunch of cliquey little advisors around him who really are not very good value for money. They, they, uh, they kind of trap his actions. He hasn't got much power anyway on his own. But he's, he's nice, Prime Minister Mustafa. Um, so, where are we? We're, I mean, acting Prime Minister, I guess you'd call him now. So where are we? We are in a mess. Um, Halbusi, the Sunni Speaker for Parliament, uh, cosmetically threw in his resignation, but, but, uh, no. The elections, were not entirely fair. Uh, they, oh, millions were disenfranchised because the United Nations insisted on a new form of uh, electoral system whereby you had to put your fingerprints on some machine and, of course, a lot of older people couldn't manage this or they hadn't registered properly or one thing or another uh, and were turned away at the polling station that um, the children, the young people, all boycotted the vote, which messed things up as well. Um, and um, But nonetheless, it was an incredibly fair election. I say that because, because they, despite all this, it was a very difficult election to manipulate if you wanted to manipulate and buy votes or do things of that kind, which is common practice here since the early days when the British and the Americans and the United Nations insisted on altering the vote in Iraq um, at the very first election, uh, which they did 
For the good of Iraq, they told everybody in the camp, we must have some Sunnis had boycotted the vote entirely. Uh, we must have some Sunni MPs. Of course, once you start corruption from the British, the Americans, and the United Nations, when you start corruption, corruption continues. You set a pattern. You make it acceptable. So shame on Britain and America and the United Nations. They helped destroy the country from the beginning, but uh, democracy anyway here. But that said, where are we? Um, where are we? I suppose they had the best of intentions, if you can call it that. Um, they interfered with the vote again and again. I mean, the uh, Maliki too, the vote um, was not run by Maliki. It was run by Iyad Alawi, but they insisted on having Maliki as the prime minister and they put pressure on the Kurds not to support Iyad Alawi. So this is kind of the kind of fiddling that British and Americans and uh, the United Nations do. UN in Iraq is very active and very naive, innocent really, led by a fine woman, but she doesn't understand the time of day. She was trying to negotiate a deal for, uh, um, for where? For the, the Yazidi areas up in Sinjar. And she negotiated the deal without including the Heysh al-Shabi in the negotiations. The Heysh al-Shabi indirectly controls Sinjar. Well, come on, pointless. What a waste of time. But you see, she doesn't know A from B, really. And she's romping around Iraq, um, uh, meddling, and with the best intentions, like everybody does, these outsiders. And then you've got meddling from Iran. Iran meddles big time, and they are meddling now. I mean, Iran meddled by uh, the Supreme Leader, sent a letter to the various militia groups of the Heysh al-Shabi, saying, stand together, children, stand together. Don't you split up. And so they didn't. They have stood together. But it's unfortunate because it ties the hands of people like Dark Eyes, Javier Amory, who is one of the better militia leaders, who might otherwise have gone to his friend <laughs> Muqtada Sada and tried to get a deal. Now, the Sadrists, I did say, they've pulled their MPs out of Parliament. Now, that's a major problem because then, of course, the second-place candidates go in under Iraq's crazy election laws. And so the second-place candidates, mostly, many of them, Maliki supporters. So that strengthened his hands massively. What have we got now? We've got a situation where Maliki is allied with the Heysh al-Shabi, the militia groups, and they intend... What do they intend to do? They intend to have a new election law so they can manipulate the vote more easily. They're uncomfortable with the current election law. Um, yeah, so they, they want, they need to manipulate the vote because they're doomed otherwise. Uh, well, not Maliki, he did all right, but the Heysh al-Shabi and their, their gang are doomed. So um, it's vital to them to, to manipulate the vote. And, and the point is... We could have formed a government possibly here in Iraq if the supreme leader of Iran hadn't put his dirty hands into the pot and said, you must, brothers, stand together. Because that didn't help, didn't help. It meant that, that Hadi al-Amri's hands were tied by, by some of the more extreme people on the spot. And there are some pretty extreme violent people. You know, ordinary people are being assassinated day by day. Um, unbelievable. 
unbelievable, really. I mean, some of these people are, um, Kesel Khazali and co, are, well, brutal, I suppose. Um, anyways, anyways, so where are we at? Where are we at? We're in a fine pickle here in Iraq. And, uh, well, Mukhtar Assad is grumpy. He's, um, he's grumpy. He made a big mistake pulling his MPs out. But like all of these people, he can't, he's too proud to admit his mistakes. So, um, so now he wants new elections, but he wants them on his terms. Uh, I don't know. The, he's managed to be so difficult that he's alienated everybody else. So some of his own supporters, uh, are a little bit fed up with him, but they still fight to the death for him. Uh, he's got absolute loyalty. You know, I mean, um, oh my God, if you had a, um, a boss you could see was doing utterly the wrong thing and you knew he was doing utterly the wrong thing, but you're too frightened of him to say he's doing utterly the wrong thing and you're loyal to him to the death. Uh, anyway, that's the satirists for you. So we have um, a mess, really. Uh, the, the one blessing about the Sadrists is they're not loyal to Iran. Not one smidgen. So that's... But they are unpredictable because they have an unpredictable boss. I don't know whether... I don't know what he's on. But God help us. Um, so, uh, so we have a mess in Iraq. A bit of a mess. A lot of prideful pruffles walking around causing problems, and where is it going? I'm not sure where it's going. I'm not sure at all, really, what's going to happen, except that there'll be more bloodshed. Uh, because, because why? And then we'll have new elections. We have new elections in, what, 12 months, 14 months, 15 months, 16 months, 17 months, 18 months? No, there will be next year, I suppose. Sometime next year, towards this, this time next year, probably. Uh, but it takes time to get things into gear for elections in Iraq. And, yeah. And then, so we have, we will have a caretaker government limp along till then. Or maybe, maybe they'll form a government. Whatever, there will be new elections. And then there will, I mean, there's a whole move to change the constitution, but the constitution is not really bad. The problem is the courts who are corrupt, um, who are interpreting the constitution in a, corrupt and disgraceful way. Um, so, so where do we go? We're going to have new elections? Fine. And then what? And then do we get a government out of this? Not sure. I'm not sure. See, the trouble with Iraq has had a history of governments of national unity rather than the majority takes the power. And this is recipe for corruption. And the kids on the street are absolutely sick of corruption, the young people, they're willing to die for a better Iraq, and they want a new constitution. Oh, rewriting the constitution is a nightmare. What's the point? The constitution is not the problem. But tell the Shabab, tell the children that. Um, they will vote this time, which is a plus. And the, uh, the militia groups, yes, they had a good turnout, but they voted against each other. But people are so fed up with the militia groups. 
people are so fed up with Iran that I suspect that the militia groups will not do very well, despite the fact that they will try and get through a new election law that gives them a super advantage. I suspect they will not do very well, and they will be grumpy. And then where are we? Ah, poor Iraq. This is all the legacy of Britain and America and the United Nations meddling inadequately in the democracy in Iraq. Um, hopefully, 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 there's a better future around the corner for this broken country. I mean, it's suffering enormously from drought and climate change. The rivers are low, and then people are stealing water. Saudi Arabia steals the subterranean water. Uh, old uh, Turkey steals the river water. And Iran does the same. But can you blame them? Actually, um, Turkey, there are no snows in Turkey. Turkey has not got the water itself. Uh, I mean, so the great Tigris, the Euphrates, and so on, these rivers are down now. And great droughts in farming areas. I mean, it's, it's climate change is, is having an immense impact here. Um, immense. So this to deal with on top of everything, on top of everything. A lot of human suffering here. And, and Turkey, of course, bullying. I said they were throwing rockets in and so on. Turkey, yeah. Turkey is a big bully, really. But what can you do? It's the way it is. Um, Turkey is seeking hegemony and it's creeping into Iraq and creeping into Syria and trying to be the new Ottoman Empire, but God knows it's, it's not helpful disrupting this poor country. Um, Turkey has a lot of military bases, and well, a lot, a few, in Iraq, and um, yeah, without, <laughs> without no buy or leave. Um, and uh, Iran, similar, meddling and causing trouble. America, not any clear idea where it's going. America, uh, like the Eye of Mordor, America's attention is totally on Ukraine. So uh, its focus is is really, well, it's, it's lost the plot as far as Iraq is concerned. So we see no leadership from America, um, apart from possibly making things more difficult from time to time. Um, and... Um, and where are we? Where are we in Iraq? Broken, sad Iraq. Going to be more squabbling. Too many people have guns. All these militia groups, you know, they're paid by the state. So they draw their salaries from the state because at the time when we had to fight Daesh, um, they, uh, they, all these militia groups were hauled in and given state salaries. Uh, <laughs> can't get rid of them now boys, nor can you get rid of their blooming weapons. Iraq is in pain, and yet there are grounds for hope. What is hopeful is to see the young people who are not sectarian, who do not care for the corrupt ways of their elders and betters, and who do want a new start. And they are willing to <laughs> lay down their lives for that, poor ones. So Iraq, maybe there's hope 
for Iraq tomorrow. It's going to be painful getting to tomorrow. But I'm speaking to you from Baghdad here. But, but I think there is a brighter tomorrow for Iraq. Let's hope so and pray so in the name of God.